Welcome to the Bellevue Ministerial Assistant Leadership Podcast. My name is Jamie Otto, and this is Jason Pyron. Hello, everybody. And we both serve here on the team at Bellevue and work with our ministerial assistants as a part of our church's internship program designed to raise up and send out prepared ministry leaders. Yeah, and today we are following up a conversation with our associate pastor, Drew Tucker, on a conversation we had with our MAs about his view on just looking at his years of ministry and just where he's at now. We're excited to be joined also by one of our MAs, Jacqueline West, for today's conversation. So with that said, we're going to jump in. Welcome, Jacqueline. Welcome, Drew. It's good to be here. Yeah, there you go. All right. So, Drew, we're going to talk a lot uh, over the next few episodes, but let's start out by just You've been in ministry 38 and a half years, which honestly is an incredible thing when you look at the stats of people who don't make it in ministry. So you've been in this 38 and a half years, but let's go back to the beginning and just tell us a little bit about those early years of ministry, what you did and some things you learned early on. Well, you know, when I think back, which is quite a long time ago, (laughs) um, but, you know, I think when I started, I I know one thing for sure. I I really had a passion and I really Mm. felt that God had called me to the ministry, which I felt like it was something significant. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, it was a little bit different back then. You know, it was kind of an honorable thing to go into ministry. Mm. Mm. And I can remember, you know, I want to do something with my life that makes a difference and there's a lot of people not going into ministry now. Things have changed. It's a little bit more difficult, I think, coming into ministry now than what it was when I first entered. But, you know, I did not know a whole lot. I just had a general sense that God's hand had been on me mm-hmm. in a unique way. I used to, even as a elementary kid, I used to tell my mom I wanted to be a preacher. <laughs> and I can remember my cousin's always saying, uh, some preacher he's going to make, because <laughs> I was pretty mean and fought a lot. But, you know, I, I don't really know if I had a complete vision for what I wanted to do. I had a passion, and it mostly revolved around athletics, and I wanted to take what God had done in me and make mm. a difference in the kingdom. And that's kind of really where it started. It was I never thought I'd be an associate pastor, uh, and I definitely was not going to be a minister of education uh, when I started. But, you know, it's just funny how God's the experience, and you just go with God where He's at. And, you know, God changed my heart, and so I changed, and every time He provided an opportunity, and it was just, you know, that's kind of been my journey. But Mm. to say I had it all figured out, uh, not really. I just kind of sensed that this is what God wanted me to do. Mm. And so that first role for you was at a church as a student pastor, is that right? I mm. was a, well, they just built a family life center, which back okay. in those days was a big deal. Mm-hmm. And they needed a minister of recreation, but they also needed a minister of youth. Okay. And so I was not a very good minister of youth. Uh, <laughs> and I think they figured that out real quick, but uh, my passion was in recreation. And so I had this new building I started out as Minister of Youth and Recreation, and I did that for a couple of years, and then they hired one of my good friends to be the youth pastor, and so we worked together. That was fun mm. in those early years of doing ministry with him, and of course, recreation and student ministry go together mm. real good, mm-hmm. so those were some fun years of formation mm. of my heart and ministry and understanding really what I was getting into. I, wow. I just did not know... I, I grew up in church, 
going to church, but I wasn't involved in church. Uh, mm. Athletics was a big part of my life, my family's life. So we went to church. I'm thankful for that. Uh, my mom and dad both were believers, but I wouldn't say they were extremely committed. So my experience and exposure to church life or being all in was limited, but, uh, you know, I found Christ mm. and was baptized, and it changed my heart. Even as a elementary student, I sense the presence of God mm. on my life, and I, I've never been—I've just never been the same. I've never been able to get away from that. So that was part of my call. Yeah. Wow, that's, that's awesome. awesome. Yeah, yeah, that's really great. I know part of what you shared uh, when you spoke with all the MAs was a little bit from Gordon McDonald, kind of walking through the different stages of your teens, your twenties, your thirties, and then on. You shared that the kind of the question that we ask in our twenties is often, "What am I doing with my life? What should I do with my life?" I think it's interesting that a lot of the people who are listening to this, that's the season of life that they're in. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, if you could go back and tell yourself anything. Looking back now from the seat that you're in, if you could go back and tell yourself anything in your 20s or in your early years of ministry, what would it be? You know, I I really think, you know, the world's different than when I was in my 20s. And I see, I have children that have just come out of that season. They're, They're all now in their 30s, I think. But the thing that I have seen in my own children sometimes is there's a certain fear of people in their 20s that they're going to miss something. Mm. And we call that FOMO. FOMO. FOMO yeah. Fear of missing out. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. I'm there. Yeah. Fear yeah. of missing out. Yeah. And I, I didn't know that, but uh, mm. I see that in young people that they're just on a pace that they feel like they have to do everything, they have to be everything, and they're exposed to so much of the world. They know what's going on around the world. You know, in my 20s, it was just about where I mm-hmm. was located and what was going on in my life and the people that I had relationships with. You know, we weren't as connected as this generation is and uh, we weren't as overstimulated. So you had a little bit more chance to grow up and everything that you did was not so public. And I see a real fear in this generation coming up that they just have a hard time settling and resting, either because they see what other people are doing and they measure themselves according to that instead of really resting in that God's got my story. He's writing Mm -hmm. my story, and it's okay. Yeah, you need to be disciplined. You need to be about the things of God and learning. And But if I had to go back in my 20s, I would really focus a lot more on understanding Mm -hmm. who I am in Christ, number one, Mm and develop some disciplines in my life, how I thought, what the scriptures say I am, not what people say I am. And that way, develop some really good patterns in my 20s so that I know who I am. What are my bents? You know, how has God wired me? We're all hot wired. I I wish I would have understood a little bit more in my 20s some of the actions that I took. And But, you know, I, I had time to learn that. I had time to make mistakes, and I had, you know, frustrations and what I was good at, what I was not. You know, I didn't have, you know, some things I wanted to do as a young person. And I just, it was kind of trial and error. Mm -hmm. I think it's a little bit more difficult for this generation Mm -hmm. to do trial and error. And I've always just had to remind myself when those folks mess up, some of them have been brought up in homes where they just don't know any better. Mm -hmm. And, Mm -hmm. 
you know, we've got to be patient with each other. And this world's not very patient. And you're just so exposed. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's harder for a young person to develop the real way of thinking and understanding. Yeah, you're going to mess up. You know, the negativity that I see in young people's life, there's just a, there seems to be a fear Mm -hmm. that, oh gosh, I'm going to mess up or, Mm -hmm. you know, there's not a lot of trust. Mm -hmm. And uh, because everything's so out front, Mm -hmm. it's a little discouraging. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Now, some people have had the advantage of growing up in a great home. They've been nurtured. They've been mentored. Mm -hmm. They're probably going to do a little bit better. But, man, the home is under such attack that this generation coming up, they saw the dysfunction of my generation and how we focus so much on production. And, you know, this generation's not interested in that. You can't just be smart now right? and lead uh, left brain. You know, those people are disciplined. They're... They produce, and sometimes they're very successful, but mm-hmm. that's good that you can have that. But if you don't have the heart mm-hmm. now, if your heart is not for people and mm-hmm. you got to have this, what everybody calls now, uh, emotional IQ. Yeah, you, intelligence. You, yeah emotional yeah, intelligence. Right, yeah. right. And so it's, a, you know, it's relational intelligence, emotional intelligence, and, you know, you got to have the head and the heart. And your generation is almost rebelled against the way things used to happen in churches, in corporate America. So I, I see a lot of that struggle going on with the young generation. Of You know, you can only know so much at 20. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. So I know, Jacqueline, you have some questions too, but I just want to, we've asked other leaders so you're in your 20s and you're doing ministry and you're probably leading a lot of people that are older than you too or you have volunteers that are older than you. So what did you find that experience to be of leading people older than you that had more experience, that kind of knew what they were doing, but yet here you are the guy that's in the position to lead? Well, I'll just say there's a thread that's, you know, I think it's unique because it's me. Uh, you know, I am unique. God created me a certain way, but you know, it's part of my upbringing. You know, my dad always used to say, hey, you know, just be who you are. Don't try to be somebody you're not. And uh, there's some good theology in that, and there's some bad theology. <laughs> if I was just my natural self, I'd be a pretty mess, pretty big mess. <laughs> but, you know, sometimes we try to be something that we're not. And, you know, my relationship with Christ, you know, trying to live in that and be comfortable with who I am, where I'm at in my journey, the transparency, even in my younger days when I was leading older people, the transparency and the confidence came out of a relationship with Christ of my calling. Hmm. Not that I made all the right decisions, but in these situations, I found that when I messed up, man, I'm sorry. I was just, you know, and that transparency was really important. And even today, even as I lead, I mean, you know, I'm pretty much an open book. I mean, I don't have it all together, but I'm willing to say when when I mess up. And I think transparency is is a really big part of that. Now, your generation wants that. They want transparency. Now, you can't tell everything, but, you know, uh, there's a few times that my wife says, I don't don't believe I'd have shared that. (laughs) But, you know, I I think transparency and being comfortable in your own skin is kind of how we say it now, that 
hey, you're going to mess up. But, you know, people have been very gracious with me along the way when they know that I'm on the journey and I'm trying to grow and I wanted to become a leader. I've always wanted to be a leader, not that I did everything right, but, you know, I've been on this journey for 38 and a half years. I decided a long time ago, that's one of the things I wrote down on my values, I want to be a leader. Mm. And Mm -hmm. so when people know you're on the journey, Mm -hmm. they'll... It's a great word. One of the hardest things that I had to learn is to say I'm sorry. I'm still not great at it, but, you know, my dad taught me one thing that's really served me well, and I've tried to teach my kids this, Learn to say thank you, and that's a discipline. Yeah. And thank the people along the way, people that bless you, the people that inspire you, and encourage others to do that. You know, you got to say, I'm sorry. got to encourage people and say, hey, well done. You did a great job. But, you know, those are things that I think early on that served me well, and some of that came out of my upbringing. The one thing I had in my home that has kept me is my mom and dad both came from broken homes. My dad was abandoned at 15, uh, lived with his best friend to finish high school, went to University of Florida on a football scholarship, but he didn't have the family support, so he never finished, which was one of the greatest regrets of his life. He had a full scholarship. But when he and my mom, both my mom's dad was alcoholic, left her mom, both broken homes, anyway, messy story, they decided that they were going to break the chain. And so when they had us, they had a bent that their kids would never feel the hurt and the abandonedness and that pain. So I grew up, and I was the firstborn, prize pig. (laughs) Uh, You can only imagine my mom couldn't get pregnant seven years to have me. Mm. Yes, I'm spoiled. (laughs) (laughs) But... The one foundation thing, that foundation of love and acceptance and knowing I had a place to go was really the foundation for my ministry and my heart for young couples. You know, I went from recreation, which I had a heart for that, but I went to young couples and ministry and then educating people and building a team and it was really that foundation of I really wanted people to experience and know what family was. That was kind of early on. That was, boy, that was, I was very passionate about that. And then when I got into ministry, I realized, oh, there's just a lot I don't know about spiritual leadership. I just, there was a void in my life. I loved God. I just didn't know how to be a spiritual leader. So I thought, I'm going to lead people to do this. I've got to learn it myself. So I'm a lifelong learner, and I just jumped in and got people in my life saying, what is spiritual leadership? What does the Bible say about spiritual leadership? I didn't know that, but a lot of love in my family, so that mm. that was good. Mm, so good. good. Yeah. So good. Yeah. Oh, Drew, I absolutely loved being able to listen to you even talk about just your early ministry and what that looked like, and I think a lot about where I'm at, and I think so many other people who are in their 20s are at as well that feel called to ministry, I think one of the most dreaded questions that we get is, what do you want to do with your life? (laughs) What do you want to do with ministry? And so often I think that my answer is always, I don't know, (laughs) you know? So I think about a lot of people who don't really have that direct call, that direct vision of what it looks like. And through hearing your story and hearing kind of how the Lord has moved you from so many different places in ministry. And as you are 
were even talking earlier, you know, you said, I had so many different desires. I wasn't quite sure what all that looked like. So thinking of those things, how would you encourage us as we're really navigating? What is God's call for us? What would you say to us as we're trying to navigate what God's call is for us within ministry? That's a great question because it's probably the most difficult question <laughs> to uh, answer. But yeah. I think, you know, where I'm, I'm 64, and as I look back, I would have probably rested a little bit more in the call of God instead of trying to pick up the pen and write my own story. I think you can rest where you are because that's where God has placed you and be all in and be present where you are and realize God's working. God's shaping you. He's molding you. Now at 64, it's easy for me to go back and look like, oh, I know why that happened. God was preparing me. I always tell people all the time, you don't understand what's going on today, but one day you're going to have an opportunity to coach somebody up in your later years if it's a difficult time, a difficult season. And I think sometimes we just get impatient with what God's doing because it's not our timing. Mm, And I think there's something really attractive about meeting somebody that's in the moment. They're not there. They don't have an agenda. They're satisfied. They're comfortable in their own skin. They've really got a word from God in their life, and they speak with this confidence. You know, when I get a word from God, I got a different kind of confidence. Yeah. I mean, it, you know, it's easy for me to share some of those things that I share because, you know, God spoke to me. Mm-hmm. And I would just say, you know, it, it's a great ride. All the opportunities that I've had and doors that have opened, I really didn't push them open. God has intervened in some way and done things. Every job I've had had nothing to do with them, really. Mm. I mean, I was just there. And somebody saw something and Mm -hmm. said, hey, do this. Or, you know, Steve Gaines called me. I'd met Steve maybe once, twice. But it was the Spirit of God that prompted him to call me. And um, I would just say, do those things that we talked about, those disciplines, those things in your life, and God will open the door. He knows your heart better than you do. I would just say, prepare your heart. Whatever that ministry looks like, it might not be. I mean, maybe God, ministry to me, we're all called. So don't get in this picture in your mind that I've got to do this. You have a passion. I watch Jamie. She has a passion. It's all about timing. You know, he's going to open the door. You don't have to push that door open. He'll He'll see, you You just do the things that you're supposed to be, be disciplined, be holy, mm-hmm. spend time with God, and He'll open those doors. Yeah. And, and He'll surprise you. Mm-hmm. He will surprise you. Don't ever say never. I used, to, <laughs> I used to drive through Memphis and say, I'd never live in Memphis. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I, seriously, yeah. that's, that is a true, we used to ride through and I couldn't wait to get through Memphis. <laughs> But it was amazing the day God put Memphis on my heart. Wow. And I thought, all this has happened to me along the way. I can go to Bellevue and help. Mm. That's right. And it was just that simple. Yeah. That's right. Mm. Yeah. Be patient. Yeah. It even goes back to what you were saying at the very beginning that we don't have to have it all figured out. Mm. I think when we really, really, truly believe that, really quiet ourselves before the Lord and live like that's true, it's actually very freeing. So I appreciate that for sure. Well, this generation knows everything, yeah. <laughs> right? If you don't, yeah. you just Google it. I'm about to say you have the opportunity to know right. everything. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> sometimes, yeah, sometimes we right. think we do, yeah. for sure. Good conversation. Very good. 
We hope this conversation with Drew Tucker, our associate pastor, has encouraged you and maybe even given you a few things to reflect on from where you find yourself in life and leadership. Thanks again for joining us, and we look forward to being with you again soon.